Welcome to Spooky Show. It's a show about spooky things, and I'm Kate. I realize I don't introduce myself in the beginning, and I should, so I'm Kate, or as the internet knows me, Bubbling Queen. Um, I'm kind of, like, alone today, so I'm just going to be telling you a story, except, well, Harrison's here. Hey. Um, he'll chime in, I'm sure. What the haven't you people ever heard of? Closing the goddamn door. God. That is what I would chime in with, I he, think. Um, with this story, you just might. You might chime in with that. Okay. Um, so this is, like, one of my favorite unsolved uh, cases, incidents. It's basically, it's known as an incident, I would say. It's definitely my favorite one. Um, mostly because, like, when things are unsolved, you kind of, like, like you kind of, deep down, there's... There is one logical explanation, I feel like, all the time. Well, most of the time. Like, there's, there's usually, like, oh, well, this is what probably happened. Yeah, and with anything unsolved, like, I do think that the great interest and burden is that there has to be an answer. Right. You know, regardless of whether or not you can fathom it or figure it out from what you know, like, there has to be mm -hmm. a logical, truthful thing that objectively happened, you know? Yeah, and in this one, there truly is no answer. And I don't know what to believe. I don't know what occurred in this incident. I don't, I really just don't know. And apparently there's about like 75 different theories about what could have happened. Um, so let's talk about it. Um, I got most of my information from All Things Interesting. And I also listened to um, the Supernatural podcast by Ashley Flower. She does a really good episode on this. And this is where... I pretty much got most of my information. I did look on Wikipedia a little bit. Don't sue me. But I needed, like, dates and names and all that. Um, so this unsolved mystery takes place in 1959. Um, a group of nine young Soviet hikers, seven men and two women, they were, like, 21 to 25 age range. Um, they set out on a 16-day hiking slash skiing expedition across the northern uh, area, I guess, in the Soviet Union to Ortortin Mountain. So this is this takes place in Russia. Um, it's a pretty dangerous area. Like the temperatures average at like zero degrees. The weather can be pretty bad. So this is a brave journey and. Uh, the leader who, who assembled the group was Igor Dyatlov, and this is not named after him, I don't think. I actually couldn't figure that out, because, well, this incident is called the Dyatlov Pass incident, which you would have realized from the title. <laughs> um, he's 23 years old, radio engineering student at the Polytechnical Institute, so this is where most of the hikers, like, attended school. And all these students, they were experienced. They were grade two hikers. And when they completed this journey to, uh, up Orton Mountain, they would be grade three. So the, and that's the highest you can be. So they're just like trying to get, they're trying to amp up their skiing and hiking levels. <laughs> How experienced were these people? They were grade two. So they were oh, like. So they just went up one tier. Yeah. Well, grade three is the highest you can be. So okay. once they completed this, they were going to be grade three. And mm. it was going to take like two, 
So to travel to the mountain that they were then going to climb, it was going to take two days. They had to take like two trains and cars and planes, trains and automobiles. And on the way there, they met a guy who goes by Sasha, and he asked to join their group on the way there after ditching his last group. Um, We don't really know much about why. People kind of thought Sasha was kind of sketchy, but they let him come anyway. And then on January 27th, they begin their trek toward Ortorton. Um, So as they begin to climb, everything's going great so far. The weather's fine. There's a path to follow, thanks to the local tribe called the Manzies, who painted symbols on the trees i didn't know what they meant but that's kind of nice of them um everything is seriously fine the nine of them are sharing this huge 13 foot tent and the first few nights are spent around the fire playing songs and talking then on january 30th the weather starts to get pretty bad um the temperature drops a lot the wind is like insane and it starts to snow pretty heavy um and then the manzai trail ends and the forest starts thinning, so they have to, like, stop and find a place to camp. The next day, on January 30th, 31st, the weather is worse. The wind was so strong. They were moving at about a mile an hour throughout the day. At around 4 p.m., they stop and set up for camp. And the rest, we only know from diaries and cameras that were found around their last campsite. Dun, dun, dun! Spooky. <laughs> so the next morning on February 1st, this is what we can assume. They all seem to be in a good mood. They're like laughing, taking silly photos. But then by the afternoon, the photos turn, to, turn out to be like a lot more serious. And it looks like they're trekking through total whiteout conditions. And then the one final shot that they found on this camera is super out of focus and black and white. But all you can see is a streak of white light that seems to be moving down. This is according to Ashley on her podcast. It seems to be moving down the left side of the frame against a black background, which was strange because the camera was found on a tripod. So that means the camera wasn't moving and that this light or whatever was captured was moving. Um, Harrison seems to like that one. So this is the last record we have from the expedition. Uh, Before they left, Igor had agreed that he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned. And it was expected this would happen no later than February 12th. But Igor had told his friend before he left that it might take a little bit longer just because things happen. But the 12th passed, and no messages had been received. There was no immediate reaction, as delays of a few days were common with such expeditions. But then it became February 21st, and they still haven't heard anything. So the relatives of the travelers were like, okay, we need to go out there. Like, we need to get rescue teams, and we need to find them, because it's been way longer than they said they would take. Um, so they search and search and search, and on February 26th, they find the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. Um, it was on Kolat Siakal, which I think was like an area just on the way up the mountain. Um, and the campsite was like pretty, it, it kind of baffled the search party. 
one of the students who was on the search team said the tent was, quote, the tent was torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said that the side of the tent had been cut open from the inside with a knife, which is like, why were they cutting open, cutting open the tent to get out when they could just leave? Unless, the- like, the snow collapsed around it, right? Like, there were avalanche. That could be. And there was no other way out but to rip their way out. Mm-hmm. Possibility. Possibility. So they found nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks or a single shoe or were even barefoot. So they obviously had to get out in a hurry for some reason because they left without their shoes. Uh, The footprints, though, they didn't indicate panic. They kind of looked like they were walking calmly, like in a single file almost. And these footprints could be followed leading down towards the edge of a nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass, about a mile to the northeast. But after about 1,600 feet, these tracks were covered with snow. Um, And then the search party kept looking, and at the forest edge under a large cedar, the searches found the visible remains of a small fire and the first two bodies of Georgi and Yuri. They were both shoeless and dressed in only their shirts and underwear. They also had burns on their hands and feet, and their skin was, like, torn up completely. The branches on the tree, on that cedar tree, were broken up to 15 feet up. So maybe, like, one of them tried to climb to look for something, maybe the camp. And a little further up the hill, the searchers found three more bodies. Is that weird? Or is that weird? It's pretty fucking weird. It gets, it's pretty spooky. It gets freaking weirder. I already have some theories, but carry on. I'm sure we'll touch on them. The theories portion of this is large. Okay, so Igor, Igor and Zena, who was one of the two girls in the group, were found and seemed to have died in like poses suggesting they were attempting to return to the tent, but oh. they died of hypothermia before they made it. A little deeper into the snow, they found Rustum. And like the two others, it seemed he had died of hypothermia, but he also had a fractured skull and bruises on his knuckles. The fuck? Um, finding the remaining four travelers took more than two months. So they didn't find the rest of them until May 4th, under 13 feet of snow, in a ravine 246 feet further into the woods from that cedar tree. And these four, though, they didn't die from hypothermia. They died from, like, massive injuries. Um, <laughs> an examination of these four bodies completely, like, shifted the narrative as to what had occurred during the incident. Because, you know, they're out in the cold. The first thing you would assume is, oh, they probably froze to death. But, you know, not, when not all of them do, it's like, well, then what? What was it? So Nick's skull was cracked open. Alexander had a broken nose and injuries to his neck. Luda's ribs were broken. And the strangest thing of all was that Luda was missing her tongue and both eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? I don't think hypothermia does that. But what do I know? I'm no doctor. 
That's like absolutely insane. And testing revealed that some of their clothes were actually contaminated with radioactive substances. Ew. Mm-hmm. Um, even more questions came with the final victim, Sasha. He had five broken ribs. Both of his eyes were missing, and he was holding a notepad in one hand and a pen in the other. But he hadn't written anything down, and he also had his camera around his neck, but the film was damaged by the melting snow. There was one frame that they can kind of see, and it was one bright light filling the frame and three dark shapes at the bottom of it that kind of looked like people's heads. Okay. Aliens? I don't know. Aliens, weird creatures, maybe? Just That was what I initially yeah. thought. Um, so a quick recap. Like let's just let's just sum up what we know right now. Sasha was one of only two people wearing shoes. So we can assume that he left the tent on the night of February 1st before everyone else, like before everyone left in a panic, maybe to take a picture of the light that was outside. And then just something bad happened that we don't know. I mean, the rest of the group cut their way out of the tent and walked a mile downhill barefoot in an orderly fashion. Four of them suffered extreme and unexplainable injuries radioactivity was somehow in the mix of this and by the morning they were all dead why did they leave the tent in the first place is a pretty good first question to ask i think i mean whatever forced them out must have been like more terrifying than like the thought of freezing to death because they left without their shoes and most of their clothes right it was obviously panicked with absolutely no thought put into it just we gotta go yeah so like what the hell was it what forced them out this, I mean, obviously a lot of investigation went into this, but the Soviet, Soviet government closed this case quickly and offered only thin explanations, saying that the hikers died due to hypothermia because they were inexperienced, which, no. And that maybe something like an avalanche was at fault, which is what Harrison said. Um, yeah, but now I'm just spreading Soviet propaganda. <laughs> I just unknowingly don't think it- spreading the word of Vladimir Putin himself all the way back in the day in the early 1900s. I just don't think an avalanche like really cuts it, in my opinion. And we'll actually talk about that in the theory section about why. Um, amateur sleuths have been puzzling over this mystery of the Dyatlov Pass incident for the last 60 years, including myself. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into some theories. Okay. So you believe in avalanche. Well, Big Alien Monsters was also my second guess. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I talked about it, I think, on my other show, which people, it isn't out yet, but mm-hmm. I'm really scared of, like, Attack the... Yeah, I talked about it with you, actually, on Spooky yeah, you Show. Don't I talked like... about it on the last one. On, yeah. on, it was on Spooky Show. It wasn't on mine. It was yeah, on you don't, like... Like, unknown creatures. Yeah, like, I I think it could be, like, a big furry, like, attack the block type monster. Like, a big furry, slimy thing. Like, that was my immediate thought. was, like, some kind of wild animal. But the light makes me think maybe it was space. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it could have been a lot of things. Could also have been the Soviets. Like, you know, uh, that parody... And allege, like, if we're in Well, we are going to talk about that. Like, it could have just been a bunch of Soviet soldiers that fucked them up and then covered it up, you know? Very easily. All right. Theories, theories. Let's go. 
So early on, many Soviets suspected that the hikers were murdered because of their, like, because of the injuries on the bodies. Uh, the camp was found close to a hut built by the Manzis. It's a local indigenous tribe that we talked about earlier. Um, maybe they, like, attacked the hikers for trespassing, but this theory kind of faded rather quickly because the Manzi people were pretty peaceful, and they even helped in the search. I think they even found the first two bodies. And also, there was no unaccounted for footprints. So there were no other, like, foreign footprints. There were no animal tracks. There were no ski prints. So then people were like, okay, well, what if they killed each other? Two of the most badly injured victims, Luda and Nick, had gotten to a bad argument just a couple nights before, apparently. And Rustam had bruised knuckles. Alex had a broken nose. Sasha was kind of a stranger who seemed to get along with everyone. But, you know, something could have happened. They didn't really know him. So, like, you know, maybe something happened and they killed each other. They got into a huge fight and they killed each other. Could have happened. Could have happened. However, apparently, they had the internal injuries that they had seemed to be like too severe to be done by a human. According to investigators, it's the kind of damage you would see in a car crash. So, they kind of said it seemed like a natural force. But, like, can we circle back to the fact that tongue and eyes were missing? I don't know what natural force does that. No, I don't either. So now we're going to get into the avalanche. I mean, natural force also could be, like, a bear, right? I guess. But that seems so weird. Why would a bear just take the tongue and eyeballs and not just I don't tear know. up the body? Chimpanzees, like, rip your balls and your eyes. <laughs> Like, sorry to get graphic, but, like, that is what happens. Like, chimpanzees' first instinct is to, like, rip the male genitalia off and pull their eyeballs out. Yeah, but they don't... Rip your tongue out. There was no animal tracks found, either. Oh. So, we'll talk about the avalanche theory. Um, the sound of snow collapsing, like, could have frightened the hikers out of their tents in a rush. So, like, I buy that. It could have caused them to flee half-dressed and sent them sprinting for the tree line. An avalanche would have also been powerful enough to inflict the injuries found. So, you know, sounds good so far. But an avalanche, uh, the physical evidence of an avalanche just wasn't there. Like, I think we would know if an avalanche happened. And locals who were familiar with the terrain later said that such a natural disaster simply wouldn't have made sense in the Dyatlov Pass. And also when investigators found the bodies, they noted no evidence that an avalanche had occurred any time recently in the region. There was no damage to the tree line, and searchers observed no debris. Also, no avalanches had been recorded at that site before, nor had there been any since, so seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. And also, <laughs> the tongue and the eyes. Yeah, I mean, the that's sort of is what is going to be the kicker in any theory. It's like, how do how yeah. the tongue and the eyes come into play? Um, so let's talk about hypothermia. Some sleuths have tried to explain that the hiker's strange behavior and lack of clothing could have been an effect of hypothermia, which, I mean, I know this to be true from watching the movie Everest. Uh, irrational thinking and behavior is a common early sign of hypothermia. And as a victim is approaching death, they like feel like they're overheating 
and they start to take their clothes off. But <laughs> this also does not explain the injuries. It doesn't explain the missing tongue, and it doesn't explain why the hikers left their warm tents in a panic for the frigid world outside. But or I, I the mean, internal injuries, right? Yes, doesn't, or the internal injuries. Doesn't make injuries. any sense. Like or I, the blunt force injuries, like hypothermia. I don't know, unless they were like trying to like bash the warmth out of their brains. I mean, I feel like I could see hypothermia maybe being the reason why they. They y'all just went crazy and ran out and were unclothed, and then maybe something happened while they were True. outside. But I, yeah, it doesn't explain the internal in- injuries. So, despite all these theories, the hikers' deaths were officially attributed to a compelling natural force, quote unquote, and the case was just closed. All files were classified, which sounds suspicious as hell. And, like, why would they close it? It was not solved. In Soviet Russia. I have in my notes, but let's not forget, this was the Soviet Union. Case close you, I Um, think, is what they would say online ten years ago. In the Soviet Union, when people die or disappear, like, a lot of people think the government is behind it. Parody. Oh, sure. I mean, they just poisoned the opposition leader in Russia this, literally this week. Literally this week. Parody, parody, parody. Yeah, sure. I mean, allegedly, you know, we don't know. Who knows? But um, uh, things get even crazier. <laughs> it doesn't stop here. Um, one conspiracy really gets going when we find out that two other hikers who had been camping out on the same mountain range in early February, uh, on the night the other hikers died, these two hikers saw a strange bright light in the sky over the mountains. Oh. And they thought it was a rocket, and, I mean, I don't know what a rocket looks like in person. And many other hikers came forward with similar accounts. They said it kind of looked like lights or, like, orbs in the sky. Uh, okay. So it could have been a natural phenomenon, but I don't know what natural phenomenon, like, releases orbs. <laughs> Marianne Williamson. <laughs> she's a natural force she's who great. releases orbs <laughs> um apparently when the lead investigator started looking into these orbs and these lights and you know just whatever the hell what went down he was called into moscow and was told to stop because it might be a danger to state security oh make of that what you will do with that information what you will What's also interesting is that the area around the mountain was full of military test sites. So secret missile tests and rocket launches were happening nearby all through February and March. So those could have been the lights that were seen in the photos or that the hikers had seen. And apparently two bomber planes were testing air mines at a test field nearby. So there's an idea that it could possibly be some kind of military accident? Yeah. So like... Yeah, because they the, yeah. these air mines were dropped by parachute and meant to explode before they hit the ground. The damage was caused by shock waves and not debris. Sure. And since there the were tongue, really, though. really strong winds, then maybe one of the parachutes like blew off course and detonated over the campsite. But also the tongues. The tongue. Like you can't, that tongue's just not going to disintegrate the shock wave. Maybe it will. I don't know. Uh, or maybe the tongue's a coincidence. Maybe like. I don't know. I don't know. 
the power of the blast could account for severe injuries, radiation, and the sudden panic to leave. Um, let's talk about Sasha a little bit, too, because he was a, a strange addition to the story. I mean, they picked him up on the way to the mountain. He was kind of just like, hey, I lost my group. Can I tag along with yours? I want to go on this expedition. And they were just like, okay. And he apparently had like a lot of weird tattoos. And not that that makes you sketchy, but that was reported. And he was. She says with a lot of tattoos. <laughs> she says with a lot of tattoos. Yes, I have a lot of tattoos. And one of them is a knife. So what, who am I? Who are you? Um, so Sasha, it was determined he was already outside with the camera before everyone ran out in a hurry. And apparently he has like a really weird backstory. He went by Sasha, but some other documents refer to him as Alexander and his legal name is Simon. Simon. I will say that Sasha is a typical nickname in Russian culture. So Oh, I didn't know that. Actually, yeah, like in a lot of the kids that I've watched that have been mm-hmm. of Russian descent, they mostly prefer to be called Sasha, which has been very confusing because I've taught classes with like three, four Russian kids in them, and they all want to be called Sasha. And so you wow. call Sasha, and they're all deeply confused. That is so interesting. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, Sasha served in the Red Army for four years during World War II, and then he completely drops off the map. Uh, but with his military experience and sketchy background, people sp- uh, speculate that he was a KGB agent. He joined a group of total strangers to go on this expedition. Why? I mean, I guess he just really wanted to, to go. Say. I mean, but people are like, maybe he was on a secret mission. Could maybe have easily been an op. Maybe he was meeting with foreign agents. Maybe the CIA. Maybe he was spying on Soviet officials under orders from different officials. Either way, he snuck out of the tent to photograph something. So let's, let's like think of what could have happened here, maybe. Maybe someone saw him. And then they had to intervene. Like, maybe soldiers approached the tent by helicopters, which kind of scared everyone out. They followed orders and marched down the hill. Rustam tries to fight the soldiers, which would explain the bruising on his knuckles. Yuri and Georgi try to climb up the tree to hide. Nick was thrown into a ravine and busts his skull on the rock. The rest die of hypothermia. Sasha takes cover in the ravine with Luda and Alexander. And, like, the Soviets were trained in unique ways of killing and torturing, like snapping necks, maybe ripping tongues out or eyeballs. And Sasha's eyes were also removed, and the film in his camera was damaged. So maybe they found out Sasha wasn't a foreign enemy after all, but a KBG agent. And if word got out that they killed him, they would have been in trouble. So when they realized the mistake, they had covered their tracks by smoothing out the footprints in the snow. I mean, there really is no evidence of this to be true. It's kind of just like a wild theory someone came up with. I mean, I don't know if I believe it. And I don't really believe that Sasha was sketchy. I think he just lost his group and wanted to just tag along and go. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. (laughs) I mean, that was just a wild theory I wanted to share. 
Uh, the lead investigator, Lev, says maybe those lights in the sky weren't missiles or rockets, but alien spacecrafts. Mm-hmm. Which, I guess... Okay, yep. No, I mean, that. I actually think that could be as I legit mean, as anything else, you know? What's an unexplained incident without a possible like UFO theory, you and, know? You know, could explain the um, tongue. Yeah. Take the tongue for some kind of scientific sampling or whatever. Yeah, apparently there were, like, unexplained burn marks on a few trees near the surrounding forest. What year is this again? 1959. I mean, you never know. Like, they also could have encountered, like, if you want to get wild, like, you don't know. You don't know. There was a lot of Nazis that just, like, (laughs) spread about, you know? And there's a lot of, that could have very easily been remnants from that war. It could have been very easily just a random violent person in the woods. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, it's a really bizarre, this is a bizarre story because every explanation seems to have at least one or two caveats that make it simply not possible. Right. It like matches up with a few of the events that happen and then it's yeah. like, but yeah, the but tongue the tongue. Yeah, eyes. right. Exactly. But the tongue in the eyes are, but the like blunt force trauma that seemed to, they said, it's that natural. no human yeah. could inflict. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, um, yeah, there were unexplained burn marks on a few trees near the surrounding forest. It looked like, I don't know, a hyper-advanced heat ray or something, but they didn't burn to death, so I don't think that was it. The Discovery Channel does a documentary saying it might be a Russian Yeti, but there were no footprints, and... There's, like, no evidence of this. The only reason they said this is because they found, like, a photo of a blurry figure in the forest that somebody took. But it's, like, kind of just looks like a person. Uh, Other explanations include drug testing that caused violent behavior in the hikers. And an unusual weather event known as infrasound. Which, this, I can kind of get behind. I can kind of get behind this one. Infrasound causes is caused by particular wind patterns that can lead to panic attacks in humans because the low frequency sound waves create a kind of earthquake inside the body. So like it's such a low frequency you can't hear it, but it just like drives you insane, I guess. The research on infrasound's a little sketchy. And also naturally occurring wind causing symptoms that severe, I guess, is kind of weird. I don't see how wind could, like, again, rip your tongue out. But I don't know why I like this one so much. There's also something called catabatic wind. It's wind that blows downslope with extremely violent force. I mean, we know that wind was, like, bad already. And if the tent was in the middle of a wind a wind blast, the sides of the tent would have started to collapse, forcing everyone out. They would have to walk downhill for a safe place to wait it out. And a similar event happened in Sweden in 1978. So they could have, like, been driven out by that, died of hypothermia. Still doesn't explain the tongue in the eyes, though. And I'm just going to keep sticking on that one. Uh, Believe it or not, in, in 2019, so recently, the Russian officials reopened the case for a new investigation. Which, like, about damn time. Uh, However... They didn't give an explanation as to why they reopened it, number one. So weird. I mean, they probably wanted to shut down conspiracy theories, but... Stop this very podcast from airing. (laughs) Oh, no. Stop this very podcast. They're trying to stop this very podcast from airing. They just don't want people talking about what happened. They're like... They can't know that a bunch of aliens came down 
and zapped a bunch of campers and took one of them's tongue. I guess. Where is the tongue? Where? What happened to the tongue and the eyeballs? Where is the tongue? We need the dang tongue. So, them wanting to cut, shut down conspiracy theories really did the opposite. It did so. Um, Officials said that they would only consider three theories. Are we ready for those theories? Please. These are the only acceptable ones. Yes. Everything else is hooey. An avalanche, a snow slab, or a hurricane. Okay. Because hurricanes remove tongue and eyeballs. Just so you know. In case you didn't know. Hurricanes can do that. All right. Same with avalanches. The to- like sometimes the snow just like it open it forms like a fully functioning hand and knife and it just like cuts off your tongue. And then that's like how snow works. And that's how snow works. And that's how welcome to how snow works. <laughs> As spokesman said an idea uh the idea that the Russian government had anything to do with it is quote Absolutely ridiculous and out of the question. Which, unquote. You know, if allegedly you were to ask me what I thought about that, I would probably respond in parody by saying that's exactly the kind of thing that somebody who allegedly uh, did something, mm-hmm. uh, that's something they would say. If you were to ask me. It sounds exactly like something someone who did something would say. Yeah. Especially a government with a history of. Crafting a narrative and then killing everybody who doesn't want to conform to it. Exactly. Allegedly an imparity, of course. And if you were to ask me personally, not imparity, I would say, they said what they said. So I'll stick to that. They said what they said. I mean, sadly, that's like all the information I have. And I really you just gave us a you just did like a marathon of giving information. So you, that's a lot. You gave a lot. Did I? Yeah, a lot to chew on. Well, I mean, it just sucks that I can't provide an answer. Well, I hate the, that. That's the beauty of the unsolved mystery. Honestly, I hate unsolved mysteries so much, but this one, like I said before, really baffles me because I just don't know. I have no idea. I have no clue. I don't either. You don't? Do you think? Supernatural, probably, I would imagine. You think? Yeah, it's just too fucking weird. I'm kind of Or the Soviets did it. Like, I think I'm leaning towards a military thing because it is weird that they're like, they closed the investigation so fast. Well, actually, like, you know what the, the dead, honest to God, like, most rational explanation is? What? There was some kind of incident in the woods, like, where, like, there was some kind of geological incident, like, some kind of miniature. I'll, I'll buy, like, a two pronged theory on this. Like, I would buy a theory that there's some kind of avalanche, the military was nearby testing. They went to go check out to make sure everything was all right. They see this random camp. People are freaking out because of the avalanche. They think that they're enemies while they're approaching, and they just fucking destroy them, and then the government tries to cover it mm-hmm. up. You know, like, I could see that being a theory. Like, it's just two very unfortunate circumstances. Like, they're freaking out because there's an avalanche, they're freezing cold, and then all of a sudden the government comes across this weird little camp mm-hmm. while they're testing nearby and fuck them up. But there was no physical evidence of an avalanche. Okay, well, then very likely that, that, that they were, like, patrolling those woods, you know, and came across this little encampment and just gutted them thinking that they were enemies, you know, because... Why did they leave? Why, the, the tent was cut open from the inside. Maybe they did hear, like, helicopters approaching or something. Right, and they tried to sneak out. Who knows? That's so weird. 
I know. I This one seriously blows my mind. It's a big spook. I'm sorry. I'm honestly sorry I had to share it with you. because it's big spoopy because it, it'll leave you thinking. It's going to bother you. It's going to leave you thinking. But now, you know, please reach out to me on Spooky Show Pod on Twitter if you have any theories or just want to talk about it because I love talking about this. Um, or you can find me on my personal Twitter or my personal Instagram at Bubbling Queen. And you can find Harrison at his socials too. Double H, double A, double R, double I, double S, double O, double N. And if you want to find both of us at the same time, you can follow us. And all the us. other stuff that we do. We, have got, <laughs> got, we got a bunch of other shows and stuff like that. You can watch Kate live once a week. Yes, on twitch.tv slash mindsugar666. And that's also the handle for Twitter and Instagram, at mindsugar666. Yeah, so seriously, reach out to me if you want to talk about this. And follow the show. Did and you say that? Spooky Show Pod? Yes, I did. Awesome. I said to DM me on that so we can talk about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I need to talk about this. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope that this information was like, I hope I delivered it well. I hope it was clear. I think you did, babe. Yeah, I worked really hard to gather this research. So she did. She like has like a whole report. Y'all better appreciate. I basically wrote y'all a- better <laughs> like it, you little. <laughs> I basically wrote a paper. Okay, she did. She basically did write a little essay <laughs> and she presented it to the class, which was me which and you was all Harrison and you guys, my beautiful, beautiful listeners, my beautiful, beautiful class. So spooked to see you here. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.